Welcome to the Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast, covering agriculture and all things related in East Carroll, Madison, Tinsall, Concordia, and Catahoula Parishes. All right. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast this morning. I got this is Dennis Burns. I'm in actually I'm in St. Joe at the Northeast Research Station today. Uh, R.L. Frazier's. I'm not sure if he's in Madison or East Carroll, but he's he's I'm in Madison. Oh, you in Madison today? <laughs> And I know yep. Kylie Miller's, and she's in Concordia down in the day in the Concordia office, I think, aren't you, Kylie? Yes, good morning. Good morning. Well, we're all sitting here today, and we, we're just comparing notes uh, about what's going on uh, in in our parishes, looking around. I mean, it's been a busy week. Uh, we finally got dry weather. Now, it's like most things. Now, we're too dry. You know, we got corn starting to tassel. I've had, I know I did uh, five pipe planter plans yesterday. I got another one. I've already had one call this morning about it. Um, well, RL, you and I talked earlier this morning when we were having a little trouble with one yesterday about uh, right. comparing notes on one uh, one of yours. I mean, it's, uh, I don't know. We went from, that that just swings from one extreme to another, seems like. Um, it's it like. Tuesday morning we got back out for the holidays and it just exploded with questions about irrigation, corn twisting, uh, when do we irrigate, the whole gamut. Yeah, well, and 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 that's what, and I know I went to fields Tuesday or Wednesday. I was in some corn fields that were twisting, just like you say. This was on a heavy clay, mm-hmm. uh, and I took a shovel and started digging plants up. Little bitty root systems, just a little, little small little root systems, not much to them. Uh, short plants, they're kind of the nodes are all stacked together, uh, and the ground was really, really tight. Uh, wasn't a lot of moisture in that first six inches. Uh, right. What, yeah, it was ironic. You and I talked about that. I believe that was Tuesday, maybe. Yeah. Uh, well, I got a similar, very similar call yesterday. Uh, not only did I get the call from the gentleman, but so did about five consultants from both private and industry. And every one of them gave him a different solution, but it all came back to water. And I went ahead just like you did, took my, got there, stepped out of the truck, got my soil probe, my shovel, and my tensiometer. I kind of keep those at real, real close to me this time of the year. And the soil was so compacted, I couldn't even get the tensiometer hardly into the ground. Mm. Or it was, you know, pegging out. Uh, ran the soil sample probe down 18, 24 inches, whatever length it'll go. And this was in some heavy ground, pulled it out. I was barely able to get a, just a touch of moisture at the very end of that core. And it was still so hard you couldn't break. You couldn't even make a ribbon with it. Hmm. Rest of it, 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 it's been shocking to me as to how this. Two weeks ago, we had excess moisture, so we're 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 critically dry in some fields. Yeah. Well, well, you know it's the way it swings. What you seeing, Kylie? I know you're riding around looking at some other. Yeah, I've seen seen some uh, acres of corn whirling and. Uh, everybody's turning on water this week as early as monday so 
everyone's either laying pie pipe or calling for flow meters or, or some way in some form or fashion getting started with irrigation so yeah that's what and it's going and i've seen some laid on uh soybeans and cornfields you know they're going in and laying them out even though they're small uh, and we missed a chance yesterday we had a little at my house i had a few drops and that's about it but uh, yeah, it's sprinkled in Vidalia, but I didn't. It didn't rain anywhere else in the parish. So. Yeah, it, I think it's uh, you know, and we're according to the weather, we're out till till next weekend, I believe, is when it's going to come back. And and I know some people that haven't planted. They still got some soybeans to plant, and it's gotten dry and hard on them, and they just had to quit. Uh, so that's. You know, like I say, we that pendulum it doesn't stop in the middle very often. It just swings on the no. front, on the other way. Right. Um, you know, you and I, Kyle, we've all talked about this. You know, earlier on on one of the podcasts, we were afraid they were going to be trying to water too early. You know, yeah. we were talking to be cautious, make that plant stress a little bit. That first twisting of the leaf does not is not a good indicator of stress due to moisture maybe just the stress of the change but i've had to back up on that some this year and this on at least this week on a field by field basis you know you start seeing his twist you know right now i'm saying you need to dig down and check make sure don't don't take any one scenario as standard mm-hmm. yeah check them but you be, you may be surprised yeah you may be surprised as to how much moisture is it is not there excuse me well that's uh the row rice here the trial we have with the row rice here on the research station the sensors say we don't need to water i mean we have plenty of soil water that's at five inches that that we've still got plenty of water and the rice doesn't look like it's suffering but it's still growing good and uh, you know we talked about earlier this morning about we just go ahead and water it and just kind of flush it to keep it growing. It's it's, t- it's tillering well. Just in this case, maybe it's just better to water, give it a little shot of water, and that'll help us down the road. Not necessarily replacing irrigation maybe later, but maybe might help, you know. Don't put it in a stress. Is that the first watering? Yeah. Well, no, we flushed it when it was right after it came just to get it all up. Because we missed the rain there a day or two. and Yeah. Well, I think you're hitting on the secret. You know, the, the soil, we can't sit there and say, well, that soil moisture says, well, I'm okay. We're looking out in a distance. We're a week away from rain, mm-hmm. predicted rain. Yeah. We're seeing how fast that, that curve is changing from adic- surplus adequate to needing moisture, and it's, it's changing fast. Yeah, well... So we made the decision before we get in trouble to go ahead and water, yeah. you know. And that's the thing I tell guys all the time with these. So it's strictly a tool. It gives you an indication of what's going on. And you got to look long, look out four or five days. Mm-hmm. You know, if there's no moisture, no, no precipitation predicted, you may want to go ahead and pull that trigger and start that irrigation, not knowing how much more you've got to irrigate. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, if, if you're trying to manage several acres, you know, you don't want to be behind. That's it. If you've got a well that's, you know, it has to cover a large area, you know, you, you probably do need to go ahead and get started. So, 
um, those are all factors, and everybody's unique situation is different. So, you know. Oh, I think you hit on something important. Every field and every farm is a unique situation you got to look at. Mm-hmm. You can't take a blanket approach. That's right. Yeah. Well, that's true. And, and, and you said tools are soil moisture sensors is a tool that everybody ought to have. You know, I saw you tweeted out. You tweeted out. You're the peanut man now. So you tweeted oh, out God. that the, you're putting, <laughs> putting moisture sensors in the uh, in the peanuts you got up there in Madison or East Carroll somewhere up there. You know, man, I got a both place. What uh, you talking about? You you you're the man with the peanuts here now. You're keeping us. You're keeping us in the crop going with your tweet and your your pictures and stuff. Uh, of course, it's very interesting. You know. <laughs> I don't know. You know, we'll see what see what the peanuts peanuts may that may be another crop for us. Kind of like you know another alternative. The row rice is another alternative on our heavy land. Maybe peanuts is another alternative on our light ground. You know. Do you, yeah. When they plant the peanuts, do they rotate in peanuts and corn, or you know, well, peanuts is a legume, right? So it is a legume, and it is very susceptible to diseases and uh, nematodes. So they actually recommend one in four, one year in peanuts and four years out, and you can do whatever, cotton, corn, or soybeans behind, you know, rotation. Uh, but you need the, you need that four-year, at least three, they recommend four years, or excuse me, one year in, at least two years out, preferably three years out of peanuts. I'll get it right in a minute. That's okay. <laughs> well, Ariel, I have a question. Yeah. Are you saying that peanuts are just like these other crops? They're just looking for an excuse to die? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. Yeah. Well, so we're already familiar with that. So, you know, it's, yeah. it's uh, yeah. and we, we talked a little bit about this um, um, earlier. We were talking about yellow corn. Uh, the fertilizer, we got urea going out at Tassel. I know uh, Y drops are being used. I know a couple people have been, uh, I think Wiley, your husband, he used his Y drops, didn't he? Mm-hmm, yeah, he, he did that a couple weeks ago. And well, I talked to one grower, he was finishing up on some of his corn a little bit later. He was finishing up yesterday with, and, uh, with some different things. So we've got some nitrogen going out, some mid-season, I guess, nitrogen going out. And we talked about it seems to be that the, the varieties that we're raising today, they're tremendous yield potential. They got good resistance of different things. They're tremendous. But they seem to have to have everything right there together when they need it. Uh, it's like when you open that bag of corn seed, all you're doing is trying to save yield. You're not trying to make yield. Does that seem, exactly. is that, is that a, a too broad a statement? Oh, I think you're dead on. You know, I had a researcher tell me one time, you know, they're bred to win the race. And he's race horses. Like horse. <laughs> and, you know, if they get out the gate with a good, clean start, they, they can run a good race. But if they stumble from the beginning, one little whip spot in the track, whatever, they slip, they've lost the race, they just like they give up. Yeah, yeah. losing yield. Yeah, I mean it's it's like you know the you open the bag of corn seed you got a huge tremendous yield and you're just you're just trying to save save yield you're not trying to make yield you're saving yield and that just I think that's it you know we we, we always talk in terms of pushing for maximum yield mm-hmm. I 
think what we're really doing is we're trying to manage for minimum loss. Yeah, well, that's, that may be. You know, and, and water, everything is, is has plays a part in that, and they, they there's... It's not like we used to, I know with some of the old cottons we used to have, we used to put them out there and they'd scavenge for for nutrients and they'd hold on when it was dry, you know, and they wouldn't, you know, it just seems like it's a little bit different. I guess, but I guess that's with the breeding. You're, as, it's mother nature. When you add something, you got to take something away. Exactly. I was waiting to see how, where you was going with that. I was going to say the same thing. Well, that's, you know, that's. And that maybe that's oversimplification, and I don't know, and we might get some calls on on our little conversation here about it, but it seems that way, uh, you know. And, I mean, that's the way I understand. There's only so many units on a DNA. Yeah. And if you take one out, you got to put, you know, if you put something in, you got to take one out. So that survivability is what they've taken out a lot of times to put in. Yeah, well. Other things. Other, Units, and that's a very simplified way of looking at it. But yeah, well, I'm kind of simple-minded. Well, you get talking about DNA, now. you get you're getting above my pay grade there now. You know? <laughs> my too. Yeah. So, all right, we've cured, we've cured all our, we've irrigated everything, we've got it all fertilized. I mean, I don't, I haven't seen, I know thrips on cotton haven't really been an issue. Um, you know, the, the cotton's growing fast. I've talked to. C. Brown about it, and uh, they're not catching many thrips in their uh, in their trials they have here on the station. And I haven't really heard anybody spraying thrips. The seem, cotton seems to be outgrowing them. Uh, red-banded stink bugs are starting to show up in some spots, but nothing. They're just showing up. I mean, they're not. I don't think they're causing damage or anything, but they are making their presence known. Uh, what do y'all hear? Anything on bugs or weeds? Pig weeds? Same, same thing, and I think uh, Steve actually talks about that same thing in his in the Louisiana Crops newsletter this morning that I read. Um, you know, not I mean, just identical to what you're seeing. So, yeah, it, uh, the only thing I am seeing some, and I've gotten a couple calls, is uh, pig weeds where we maybe didn't get our residual out or we didn't spray behind the planter with Gramoxone or Roundup, well not Roundup, but Gramoxone to clean up a few and they had some pigweeds come up with the crop and they were trying to get those cleaned up. I talked to a grower, was that, I guess that was yesterday, he was spraying some with Liberty, um, trying to get ahead of them. He said they looked like, and he had, he had sprayed a residual and said, he said it looked like they came up or they were coming up, the process of coming up when we was planting. And so he sprayed Gramoxone behind his planter, and he killed the ones that were up, but he said, I think these were just in the process of coming up, and they didn't get sprayed. And so he said, I got a pretty good flush, and he was going in with Liberty to take them out. Now, he was doing it right. They're all small, and he was using plenty of water and, you know, being careful with it. So he was, he felt uh, like he was going to be ahead of them. He'd, he had controlled them, so. Uh, but that's that's one of the one of the calls I've had. Have y'all had any of that? I haven't. Uh, I did hear a report third hand yesterday. Feller swore he smelt dicamba being applied. So. Well. What, wait for that to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll probably see some. You know, it's it's 
Yeah. A lot of people, I'll put it like this. I went to one of the trainings. I know y'all went to them. There was, there were a lot, there was always a room full of people. Oh, yes. And, and a lot of them said, I don't plan on using them, but I'm going to be trained anyway. And, Uh um, you know, so I don't, it may, it may be another option for them in some cases. I don't, you know, uh, that's that's something and i've seen a couple of tweets out of arkansas that where people you know were looking at fields with pigweed and spray you know but talking about spraying dicamba and, uh, on some some fields up there. I, yeah i can tell you just driving around here it looks like mare's tail is the biggest issue for us um yeah i mean just everywhere you look you know there's fields with mare's tail so Yes, we've got Mar- and that and that's I'll, I'll echo that for Tensile and, and up in here. We're, oh, I can here too. We're Marystale. These fields that are, are being laid out are, go- are going to be prevented planting. Yep. They're huge. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, I had a grower. Uh, he had a field. They couldn't, they couldn't burn down effectively because of houses and everything and uh, yeah. people around him and, and – with the weather and everything, he couldn't get in, and it's just. And he ended up going in just. He's conventional till that forty acre. I think it's about a forty acre field. Conventionally tilled it. Just he said, I don't have a choice. He said, I. And they were so big, disc. You know, he had disc it twice, I think, to get rid of. Uh, you know, and talking about you. Are you talking about the prevented planting? I talked to a grower Monday. Uh, he's got right at six hundred acres of seep water land. In, say actually in Concordia and he said uh, he said it'd be 1st of July he said I'm not you know he owns his own land now so he said I'm not planning on planting anything I'll take prevented planting and put a disc in it to try and get rid of the weeds he said because it's grown up and it is it's grown up bad now you know uh, and it's got every weed out there that, that he really doesn't need. All kind of mare's tail and pigweed. Yep. I mean, he's, he's got the whole gamut, and they're all making seed. And uh, and there's nothing he can do about it, you know, until the water gets out. Uh, yeah. So That's just a whole other terrible factor that, that a lot of people are having to deal with along the river. So, yeah. so it's, you know, uh, on a, on one bright note, we got, we're got we moving along here. We're talking, we, we're wandering here with our chatting this morning. Before you go there, go back to the insects a minute. Okay. Off the cuff. You know, four or five years ago, we had the big kudzu bug scare. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I haven't heard anything about them lately. I hadn't and seen I haven't them. seen any. I hadn't only seen I've seen, seen them on the vehicle. Oh, They're you? attracted to white vehicles, and I've seen them on, you know, just vehicles. I hadn't seen any okay. this year, but I, I've seen them. And I've seen them in soybean fields sweeping. Um, but from what I understand, you know, I'm not the expert on it. See, or maybe y'all know, but, I mean, they're pretty easy to control or manage. Yeah, they, they work. They work. They, uh, yeah. yeah. And yeah. I think one of the things they said, our normal insecticide treatment may help keep them under control. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's just one of those scares that blowed in. And, you know, we were all gung-ho and looking for them, but it never developed. And I reckon our regular insect control is keeping them down. But... I don't know if anybody had seen or heard of them since then. I've seen them in Concordia, um, but not 
bad, you know. Yeah. And, yeah. and like I said, they'll show up on your vehicle or, you know, they're, I don't know if they're attracted to white or what, but they, they're always on my car and, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm right here by Natchez with, with all the kudzu, so I don't know if that makes it more the reason why I have it versus yeah. maybe somebody else, but... Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I have seen them, and I've, I have seen them in soybeans, but but they've never been an issue. So, well, Will's gonna Will's gonna make you get a different color car if you start bringing them home <laughs> home to your house. You know. Uh, All right. Uh, on a positive note, and then we got a new segment we're gonna talk about here in just a second. On a positive note, did y'all see the soybean market this week? It went way up. It's over now. They're over nine. November soybeans over nine dollars. They did a pretty good jump this week. So hopefully some. Because and I say that because we had Doctor Delaberto on last week. We were talking about marketing, so hopefully everybody has booked some booked some beans or done some market plans for them on this little run up. So uh, we got a new segment, and you know we always ask everybody. You know at the end we say, all right, send us your emails, your questions, topics, whatever. Y'all send it to us. Well, we've got we've gotten some, so we got a new segment. It's called the Question of the Day. Ariel, what's what's this? What's the question of the day? All right, scenario. I had an old cotton farmer call in. Said his tomatoes plants are steadily growing, but they're shedding blooms. Uh, still growing great, but just they won't set bloom. You know, not not putting any blooms on. And he he said he remembered back when he was growing cotton, they used to spray picks on there to to make it set blooms. And wonder if he could spray picks on his tomatoes to stop the bloom shed. <laughs> I don't think it's labeled. I don't think it's labeled. I have no idea, but I don't. I'm pretty sure it's not labeled. Pix is not labeled for tomatoes. I'm pretty sure. You know. Yep. And that's the key to it. Just because it works in one product, one plant doesn't work in another. But it's got to be on that label before you can use it. Yeah. Yeah. Good train of thought, but no. <laughs> well, you know that's. I you know people look around you know but now if I had to guess I would say. He's, He's got too much nitrogen on it, and it's just growing, just like, you know, it's just growing. So, But anyway, any thoughts, Kylie? You're the horticulture agent. You, you tell, Yeah, what? well, I've, I've had that question come up three times, actually, this week. Not that particular question, but, um, you know, blooms falling off tomatoes. And uh, each, each honest, and that's just a stress reaction, and, and each situation was unique. Um, one guy, actually, the longer he kept talking, he actually told on himself, you know, he's like, well, I went and sprayed them with some miracle Grow the week before, but I think I accidentally used Roundup or 2,4-D in that uh, pump-up sprayer before I, uh, before I used the uh, miracle Grow. So, you know, sometimes they just need to talk it out with you to figure out what happened, you know, but, uh, but yeah, that question has come up a lot this week. I've done some reading and, you know, it looks like, you know, we're getting into higher temperatures. Um, that could be in a factor. Um, pollination is always an issue with that. It could be over-pollination or under-pollination. Um, uh, something else with tomatoes I would think you would probably need to be watching for in the next two weeks would be blossom end rot. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's a calcium deficiency. So if, if you start to see that, you know, you use some calcium nitrate or something like that to take care of it. So. All right. Well, good. Well, we're going to start this. This is going to be a new segment for us, and kind of just wrap up the end of the end of the podcast, and just kind of, some days it'd be educational, some days you know, well, I guess putting picks on tomatoes would be educational, but you know, we'll, it, it, it may not be always be just you know strictly 
crop uh, row crop related. Let's talk about that. Um, yeah. One last thing, uh, Kylie, you got a list of uh, upcoming events for the Ag Center? I sure do. Um, the first one I'm going to talk about is the uh, Dean Lee Field Day, um, and it's going to be June 27th, and that is going to be in Alexandria at the Dean Lee Research Station. Um, it's going to start at 2.30, and they're going to serve a, a supper that evening at 6. Um, some of the things that they're going to have, they're going to have – I know they're going to have some horticulture demonstrations and talks. Um, they're going to talk about super plants, and they'll have different topics along with that. Um, they're also going to do a nutrition workshop. They're going to have a mini farm. They're going to have a beef cattle and forage uh, segment going on. And then, of course, they're going to do the row crops with cotton, corn, and soybeans. And then they're also supposed to have a expo element along with everything where different industry folks are going to come in and, and set up booths so you'll get to visit with them as well um so another field day the northeast research station is going to host a row rice and soybean tour and that's going to be july 9th at 5 30 in the evening um and dennis you may want to add anything else to that if you'd like so but y'all are going to be talking about row rice and yeah. i assume soybeans soybeans yeah variety stuff like that yeah um yeah. There's going to be a Northeast Rice Field Day, July 8th, at Jason Waller's Farm in Marouge, and that's going to start at 8.30. If anyone needs directions or, you know, addresses or some sort, just reach out. We can get that and get that for you. And then the Big Rice Field Day is June 26th at the Rice Research Station, and that starts at 7, so goes to 12.30. And that's in Crowley. And that's in Crowley, yeah. All right. Well, good deal. Well, all right, everybody. We've kind of rambled and talked for a long time today, so we're gonna we're gonna go away, but and go out in the field and get some stuff done today and next week, and we'll be back next week. And look, as always, send us an email. We got a new segment. Send us an email, a question, a topic you want to hear. Uh, subscribe to our podcast. Subscribe to our Twitter feed, Louisiana Delta Crop Twitter, and oh, keep you know keep us keep it give us. A call. Let us know what's going on, if anything. So, all right. See y'all next week. Thank next you. Week. Bye. Bye. The Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast is produced by the LSU Ag Center Extension Service. For more information, visit the LSUAgCenter.com or contact your local extension office. <laughs>